The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Daily Intermission listeners, what is going on? It is season three, episode 18. It is Greg Brown in studio, and it is the pregame show. You know I've got a story for you. I'm super excited about this episode. We were joined by Ross Colton, number 79 of the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champion. Unbelievable interview. So that's going to come right after the pregame show. And then quarter three, we'll talk a little bit about the MLB, NFL, and then we'll get into some NHL, NBA, PGA Tour. We've got some UFC fights we'll get into. But first, my story of the week is I'm going to tell a story about uh, when I went to the MIT Sports Analytic Conference. It was the big sports gathering analytic conference. Massive names from the sports world come to MIT in Massachusetts to talk about uh, you know the different realms of sports. Um, analytics were obviously a big theme of this conference as they get uh, bigger in the MLB and just in all professional sports. Um, and um, you know some big guest speakers like I saw Larry Fitzgerald, Meek Mill. Um, the owner of the uh, 76ers, which his name has escaped me right now. Michael Rubin is his name. Uh, Jeannie Buss uh, for the Lakers. But there was a lot of big names there talking about their different fields and facets of sport. It was a really incredible conference. Um, so I went down with six of my classmates. Three of them competed in a DraftKings competition. So the competitions for DraftKings at this conference was you had to come up with a new game for them. Well, my three classmates ended up winning the the DraftKings analytic um, competition. So shout out to the boys Grant, Micah, and Thomas who won the the DraftKings analytic comp or the analytic competition it was unbelievable. They came up with a new game. I think it was esports related, um, but that's beside the point. So during this conference, usually from eight a.m. nine a.m. till five p.m., there's different uh, speakers and there's different rooms to go to. Um, so obviously day one, I'm kind of you know browsing around. I'm kind of looking because there's there's multiple speakers going on at once you've really got to pick you know what you're interested in and, and what's going to be valuable for you and um i remember uh so it was on the second day you know i'm pretty exhausted from the first day we went out that night we went to the grand in boston shout out to the grand in boston an unbelievable bar uh it's where the bruins celebrated the uh their cup um take an elevator up it's an unbelievable club in boston but anyway the next day i'm a little hungover i go to a conference and i'm like man i don't know how many of these i can sit through but then i go out into like kind of the main lobby and there's a guy set up with a vr home run derby video game and i'm like oh my goodness i must have sat there and let people go in and out and i was chatting with the guy i must have sat there for three hours hitting dingers on this vr baseball so during the second day of the mit sports Atlanta conference maybe the biggest sports conference in can or in north america hosts every year i sat there on day two and played three hours four hours of vr home run derby so I didn't get the most out of my experience there, but it was an incredible trip. I love the city of Boston. Got to tour Harvard. Uh, well, actually, I watched a, uh, a water polo game there uh, while I was there. But uh, that's my story of, of of missing almost the entirety of day two by hitting dingers at a VR baseball. I'm still waiting for, for it to be released because it was unreal. Um, but uh, that's my story to start things off. But without further ado, here's number 79 on the Tampa Bay Lightning, Ross Colton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, number 79 for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champion. That must sound pretty good. Ross Colton. Ross, what's up, my man? 
Nothing much. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Listen, man, anytime, man. I know my audience is excited to hear from you, and uh, you know I'm thrilled to have you on. But uh, listen, how's life in Florida? Tell me about what's going on right now. Oh, uh, yeah, life's pretty good. You know, boys were uh, kind of on a roll there. We uh, lost last night, but, you know, we uh, were on a little bit of a heater before. And, you know, uh, coming off the uh, hurricane before, uh, you know, the weather's been pretty nice just down here, sitting by the pool, trying to get my tan on, and then, you know, playing hockey in the meantime. So life could be uh, worse living down in Tampa, I think. That's pretty good, man, going to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. I mean, checking a lot of boxes in terms of, uh, you know, what the ideal lifestyle is. But you play any golf for us. Tell me about that. Yeah, I, I play a little bit of golf. I'm not, I'm not anything too crazy, but uh, some of the guys on the team are pretty, pretty good. So um, whenever we can, like if we go out on the road or, you know, we're out west, uh, try and get out on some courses. But, you know, then when we're home on off days, um, you know, either playing golf or laying by the pool or, like you said, at Bucks games. So there's definitely plenty to do when you're living down here, which is kind of nice. Absolutely. So you grew up in New Jersey. You played your college hockey in Vermont. So the weather must be a nice change. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely a little bit of a change. I think, um, you know, going all over, I think growing up in Jersey, obviously the weather wasn't, you know, always the worst, but in the summers, you know, being down the shore and whatnot is always, you know, pretty sick. And then, um, you know, I played in like Cedar Rapids, which was ice cold. And then Vermont, you know, it snowed every day. And then the same thing when I was, you know, my couple of years in Syracuse. So it's kind of nice to have a little bit of a change of pace to, you know, not just have pasty, you know, skin for, you know, the entire seven months of the season or whatever it may be. Yeah, you're poking fun at me with my bald head pasty skin here in Nova Scotia. And I haven't seen the sun yeah. here in three months. Yeah. Anyway, don't rub it in too much, Ross. But listen, man, yeah. um, let's talk about Vermont for a little bit. I mean, you went on and played two years of Vermont. I mean, what was that like? You know, I always reflect and think about the line from the movie Miracle when he says, you know, why do you play college hockey? Isn't it obvious yeah. for the girls? But talk, girls, about, yeah. uh, talk about playing college hockey in Vermont. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty sick. Uh, you know, Vermont was like the first school to, you know, kind of offer me and, um, you know, that's when I was in prep school at the time and it was kind of just a shell shock. Cause I think that was when it kind of hit me that this was going to be a reality to play college hockey. You know, I always dreamed up of, you know, playing and, um, yeah. So just kind of went on a visit, fell in love with the campus, decided to end up take the offer and, um, you know, it was, it was at the time, actually, I tried to decommit. I think, you know, I just, I didn't know, I didn't feel like it was the best fit for me. I kind of think I want to go somewhere a little bit, maybe closer to home, like, you know, Penn State. I think they had the new program coming up and thought it'd be pretty cool to play there, but ended up not getting out of my, you know, decommitment, which in the long run actually probably worked out, you know, better because I think if I went to a bigger school or, you know, maybe a better program, I probably would have ended up staying for four years and maybe that would have delayed my, you know, you know, professional career a little bit. So honestly, just going into Vermont, I played two years. I was kind of maybe, you know, the, you know, big fish in the small pond to say, cause you know, at the time we didn't have my first year, my freshman year, we were, we were we had a really good team. You know, we probably should have made the tournament, but I think we came up like one win shy. And then my sophomore year, you know, we lost a lot of, you know, veteran leaders and it was kind of a bunch of new guys coming in, learning the program that, you know, we struggled a little bit, but you know, I had a great group of friends, great group of guys. And, you know, I, I, I'm not even just saying this, that I'm biased, but going there, like, it's gotta be one of the best places to play in college hockey. Like the atmosphere of the rink is unbelievable. You know, they sell out every game, even when, you know, we weren't the best and, um, you know, it's a great school and, you know, the town of Burlington, you know, being right on the water, it's beautiful in the summer. And then, um, you know, there's, it's great time like going out and stuff. So, 
nothing but great things to say about my time there, but it's just a weird process of how I got there. Absolutely. Well, listen, so in the hierarchy of things, like I think about the SEC schools like Alabama and, and you know, football is kind of the, you know, the top of the, you're the big man on campus when you're a football player in the SEC. What about the University of Vermont being on the hockey team? Pretty good perks? Yeah, I, yeah, I would say so. You know, I mean, they got the, the cool bars that, you know, you kind of get to cut the line to, you know, make you feel cool. And, you know, when in reality, you really aren't. But um, <laughs> that, that always made you feel, you know, kind of nice. But yeah. um yeah, the, the the basketball team was always really good too. So you know, the, they always made the tournament and um, they always won their conference title. And then the lacrosse team and soccer team was pretty good too. So it's nothing crazy like you know the football teams and you know these schools down south or whatnot. But for the conference, I think it's like America East or whatnot. Like those other sports are always really good too. So um, you know, you wouldn't think that you know University of Vermont just breeds out you know good athletes in all these different sports but they actually do which is kind of it's always pretty cool to see because you can kind of go to any game you know throughout the you know three seasons and whatnot and you're going to find some good action cool man well you're a testament to uh vermont breeding good athletes man you should take pride in that man uh listen so you played two full seasons in the ahl uh talk about the biggest jump from the ahl from university hockey. I mean, what was, what was that jump like? You know, was it much faster? Were the boys, you know, bigger, stronger, you know, talk about the biggest differences between college hockey and the AHL. Um, yeah, I think that's probably been my biggest jump so far. I'd say from ever any level, I think the thing with college is just, you know, you play like 30 games. So it's like, there's so much time like in the weight room and away from the rink that, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like it's just, it's harder on your body because you're in the gym so much that, you know, I'd rather just obviously be on the ice playing games. So um, going from playing, I think, like my sophomore year, maybe I think we played like 30 games to then that next year playing like 82 and then plus playoffs is like that's like a massive jump. And that's kind of besides juniors, which isn't obviously as grueling because it's a little bit more skilled and whatnot, that that was probably the biggest jump. And then just pretty much just learning how to be a professional. I think, you know, you growing up in juniors and whatnot, and even in college, like we talked about before, it's kind of, you're being the big dog. You can kind of do what you want. And then you get to that next level and it's kind of a slap in the face or like a look in the mirror that, wow, there's a lot of guys that are way, way better than me that I kind of need to grow to my game a little bit and kind of add some different pieces. And that's kind of what I learned in Syracuse was, you know, I'm not going to be this skilled guy that could dance around and kind of do whatever I want. I kind of had to learn to, you know, win face-offs, kill penalties, be a little bit more physical and kind of do things other than just score goals to kind of be successful at the next level. And I give a lot of credit to the coach in Syracuse, Ben Grew, who kind of did wonders for me in that. And kind of, he was really, really tough on us. My, you know, my first year and kind of, at times was like, holy crap, what did I get myself into? But in the long run and looking back now, it was definitely just, it was huge for me. That's incredible. So then yeah. fast forward, you take the jump in 2020 and 2021 to the NHL, to the National League. And your first game, you become the second Tampa Bay Lightning in the history of the franchise to score a game-winning goal in your first game. Walk me through that goal. Yeah, that was, uh, it was pretty special. I think um, I remember getting called up, just didn't, I remember getting, well, first I get sent down. I was pretty pissed about it. You know, I thought I had a pretty good camp and didn't know like when my time was going to come. So I felt like, you know, I had done so much in that COVID off season to work and better my game that I thought I deserved to be there. So it was definitely a little hurt. And then I got called up like three games in and um, I remember I was nervous because it was like the peak of COVID and whatnot. And um, there weren't really fans in the stands. It was only limited. So I wasn't sure if my parents were going to be able to get down there. So I was fortunate enough to have my, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother, my grandma, 
couple of my buddies and I think my aunt and uncle were there. Um, and I think it was like my second shift that, you know, Victor Hedman comes wheeling around the net and, you know, I just always say like, you know, as a young age, they say, go to the front of the net. So, you know, when a guy like that has the puck, I'm kind of just doing whatever I can to get open and he wheeled around threw one in front. And I think I fanned on it a little bit, honestly, and just fortunate enough kind of had a tap in right in front of the net and kind of was like, Holy crap. Like did I just actually score and especially assisted from Victor Hedman. So and I think there's a pretty cool picture. I have it hanging up in my, you know, my room back home. It's just like pretty cool. Like I think it was like Stammer was out there, Hedy was out there, me. So just to be on the ice or you know and be a part of that was you know something special. And especially to have my family and you know friends there is just makes it all that much better. Oh, what a photo! I mean, you have to think uh, yeah. a couple Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, yeah, you know, giving exactly. you a hug. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's incredible, Colton Ross. Uh, yeah. But listen, Ross. So tell me, you know, what's it like in the Tampa Bay Lightning dressing room right now? You got. You know, you got Steven Stamkos, you got Victor Hedman, you got Nikita Kucherov. I mean, I don't know what Andre Vasilevsky, I know goalies are typically kind of do their <laughs> own thing, but uh, but what's it yeah. like having all those leaders in the room and, and what's the uh, culture like in Tampa Bay? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty honestly unbelievable. Like, um, just from the day I got here, it's just so professional. And, you know, these guys are like, he's like Hall of Famers and for a reason, like they don't just show up kind of, mail it in and just say, ah, like I'm going to do whatever. Like they put in so much extra work and whether it's video or, you know, before practice, after practice in the weight room, like, you know, treating their bodies, right. Like they're just, that's why I think it Tampa Bay has such a, you know, culture of winning is because these guys do the little things right. And, you know, they kind of, the thing I've noticed is just our team is like extremely close and, you know, give credit to, like you said, all those guys before and then guys like, you know, Pat Maroon and Pierre Belmar and, you know, prior to that, there was like Yanni Gord and Ryan McDonough. There's just so many leaders that are well-known around the league that kind of bring in the new guys and the younger guys and kind of make you feel part of it right away, which I think goes a long way to us having success because, you know, if you, if you don't feel comfortable in the locker room or around the team, you're obviously not going to perform at, you know, the highest level. So give credit to those guys that kind of just, you know, take you under your wing, make you feel comfortable, um, you know, whether it's having beers on the road or going out to dinner at home, stuff like that, just makes you feel part of the team, which is pretty cool. And I think that's why we have a lot of success. What's Pat Maroon like? I mean, that guy looks like an absolute character. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's, he's something else, man. He, he, he's awesome. I give him a lot. Like I said, that's why I had to mention him because my first year, like I came up with starstruck to be in the room with these guys. And then he got, you know, Pat Maroon, the big rig, just joking around with you, you know, he, He's got the long hair. He, he's missing a tooth right now. He honestly looks like a cartoon character. <laughs> but, you know, he he's just – he's full of life. He brings so much energy. He jokes around, but in the same breath, like, he just – he brings it. He knows he knows his role. He knows his game. Like, he likes to get under guy's skin. He's always – he's chirping. He's chirping guys on our team. But he's the first guy that if there needs to be a hit thrown or a fight, like, he's the first guy to go into that battle. So he's, he's definitely somebody you want on your team. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, he's the poster boy for your perfect fourth liner in the NHL. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. He is. Yeah, um, he is. He's awesome. So you guys are on the road, Ross, and, and you plan to maybe have a couple pints after the game. Who's organizing it? Who's the guy in the room that says, all right, listen, gentlemen, we need everyone here at this time, and then we're going out? I would, I would have to give that to Patty Murray. I think he's the guy that's usually the coordinator behind that stuff. And, um, like, you know, they do a good job of, you know, a lot of these guys have been around the league a lot. So, you know, they know the places wherever, you know, what city we're in, you know, we were just in Anaheim and we had a good time there and, you know, what it be. So um, we have a bunch of group of guys that, you know, like to go out, have a good time, but, 
you know, the, the good thing about this group is, you know, in the same breath, they know how to come to the rink the next day, you know, put on a show, you know, go to work. And then kind of once practice is over, then we can kind of take a deep breath and relax. So yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. <laughs> exactly. You got to show, you gotta show, gotta show, put on a good face. And, so that's you know, why I couldn't get you in California. The boys were having too much fun. <laughs> eh? I, I think, <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think the one day I was a pretty, that's all right man well listen so we fast forward that year and you're in the stanley cup finals which is just unbelievable and then you score the game clinching stanley cup goal walk me through that goal how special is that yeah that was uh that whole playoff run was pretty crazy like just i think i played like 30 games in the regular season and then just to jump right from that and then I think that's kind of when the COVID spike went down and then the stadiums were full. So, you know, you, you go from playing in front of like 5,000 people every game to like, you know, 20,000 pack barn. Yeah. And, you know, that the battle of Florida in the first round was like, and we, you know, we had just played, I think we played them like, I want to say it was like 10 games in a row. Cause we finished the last like four games of the season against them. There was like three, you know, full out brawls and then you know you go play them in the first round so it was just an absolute bloodbath but you know that was pretty sick and then you know obviously those you know other series were pretty crazy the one against the islanders was pretty cool and then um yeah you get to the finals and um you know it was uh i thought we had a great game plan we kind of were pretty confident going into that one and i think you know just that last game um it was pretty special because uh I scored and David Savard ended up assisting on it. And me and him were the only two guys that weren't a part of the um, team that had won the year before. So it kind of, I don't know, came a little bit full circle to, you know, make me and him kind of etch our name and, you know, the history books a little bit. So, um, yeah, I just remember, I think it was like Stammer kicked it up the boards to him. We go D to D. And then again, just like my first goal, kind of just go to the front of the net and get a gift trap backdoor tap in and, you know, you kind of just got to tap it in and have a nice celly to get a good photo, which I also have hanging up somewhere around here, which is just pretty sick. So honestly, just the whole experience has been honestly unbelievable. I can't believe that's already been like, like two years ago. It kind of feels like yesterday. I feel like at times I'll just turn on the clip and watch it just to get goosebumps because it still, still doesn't really honestly feel real. I mean, what a whirlwind your first kind of year and a half in the NHL has been. Um, incredible. I mean, a game-winning goal in your first game. The game, the Stanley Cup clinching goal in the Stanley Cup finals. I mean, Ross, that is truly incredible. Um, walk me through kind of the 70, 72 hours after winning the Cup. Obviously, you're on the ice. You're hoisting <laughs> it. Like, are you going into the room? And then what is on deck for the boys in the room, in in the dressing room? And then what, what goes on for the next 72 hours until, like, the parade? Yeah. So that, that's actually a great story. It was kind of like, you know, it, it was cool. You know, you go, you skate around with the cup and then obviously had some family and friends there and, you know, we, we had them in the locker room and, you know, they had the cigars and, um, you know, all the champagne and the beers. And I think we ended up staying there until like four in the morning at the rink, just with the guys and just joking around and doing whatever. And then usually I think, I, I mean, this is my first one, but I think they try and do it where, you know, you win and then you have a day in between and then you have the parade. So there's not a lot of like downtime to like kind of, you know, get in trouble. <laughs> and I think someone, someone within the organization who's pretty high up, I don't actually know who it was. I guess their daughter or son was getting married and they ended up, we won on Wednesday and the wedding was like Saturday. 
So like we couldn't do the parade before because they had to go and then they couldn't do it Sunday because it wasn't going to be back yet. So we had until Monday. So like we won Wednesday, the parade wasn't until that next Monday. So there was like five days or whatever that may be in between. So like every night was just like basically a shit show of like, you know, you'd sleep until 12 o'clock, wake up, go get, you know, mimosas somewhere, bring the cup. And, um, then, you know, we had a full like team dinner every night at a different, you know, unbelievable place, get a party bus to the bars and then, you know, be the celebrity, you know, it was the great experience at night for like five days straight where I definitely had COVID, you know, my body was like shutting down. Like I remember I, I had no voice for like a month after that. Like uh, we have a great picture of like, I forget what day it was in between, but like we hired like an IV service to come to one of the apartments <laughs> and there was like, there I was love like it. 10 of us, like there was like 10 of us sitting there. We have IVs hooked up and then we're <laughs> drinking like high, no- drinking high noons as she's filling us up. And the poor lady who's like doing that, she's like, you probably shouldn't do that. Like, that's not good. And we're like, yeah, what if you only knew what our last couple of days have been like, <laughs> yeah. so that was, uh, that was pretty cool, but it was uh, honestly awesome. And then I ended up being the first guy to get the cup like that next Friday. So it was like, it just kept going. So I was kind of, it was fun, but then I'm actually really glad that, I uh, got it first because I was like, okay, I need to like give my body a break and kind of come down from this high a little bit and take yeah, a break think, and then get back, get back to training. Things can go south on a bender like that. And listen, I'm talking from yeah. experience, Ross, things can go real south and, and uh, for yeah. sure. And your body can be banged up for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I can't come from experience talking about celebrating with the cup. I mean, that would have been unbelievable. Who on the team houses the most, beers and just can keep going like who is like an animal or an alien in terms of housing beers and being just fine the next day that's t- i mean obviously you can give patty maroon credit like he, he's one of those guys but then i think undercover like cooch was obviously probably the star of you know both of the shows and you know with the number one bullshit and you know uh <laughs> take, taking his shirt off like after in the post game speech you know he had his shirt off he's got the hairy chest and just yeah. Given ba- given the Bazzy the praise he deserves and whatnot, so I mean, there's a bunch of guys, but I, I would say those two were probably the stars of the show, in my opinion, of everything, which was you know pretty cool. Absolutely. So, Ross, you get the cup yeah. on the Friday. What'd you do with it? What was what was the day like with the cup? Yeah, so uh, it was pretty sick. Like, you know, it, it kind of sucked at first because you know we were at the parade and. You know, it, like there was like a monsoon or like the torrential downpour, like the day of the, like the parade was awesome. But then like we were supposed to have a big like gathering at like the convention center or something. And literally as we were about to go on stage and like present everyone, it just starts like pouring like horribly. And I had my phone in my pocket, you know, not knowing it gets soaking wet just from the rain. So then my phone breaks you know, that our guy, our media guy comes up to us the next day when we're doing team pictures and he's like, Hey, like you're getting the cup Friday. So I'm thinking, all right, like, you know, I got a week or whatnot. And he goes like, no, like you're literally getting it in like three days. And I was like, Oh, that's great. Like, I don't have a phone. Like, I don't know how I'm going to coordinate this. So I'm sitting in the hotel lobby with my parents. Cause at the time I was, I lived in the hotel like the entire season that year, which kind of stunk, but, and we're trying to like coordinate how we're going to do this. Like, and, uh, my mom was probably the MVP of the whole, kind of coordinate everything because like i said i didn't have a phone i don't know how i was going to communicate with anyone and it's kind of that's a lot to like plan a whole day and like 100 how you're going to make this perfect day perfect with like two days prior notice and i was like really hung over still so <laughs> i wasn't much i wasn't like much help at all um 
but we, we ended up flying home. I got the cup like Friday morning and, um, I took it to like my local rink where like I skate in the summer and, um, you know, a bunch of kids and, you know, fans came and we signed like that for a couple hours. And then, um, my like town of Robbinsville kind of called it like Ross Colton day. And I, we went to like the town center, like where the, like the big lake is in the middle and kind of same thing, did like pictures, autographs, signing and, um, and then, uh, being from like the Jersey shore and stuff, we took it down the shore for like a kind of more like family party at night, which is family friends. Um, so did that. And then for the last like three hours, we took it to like the club and then kind of had, that's when me and kind of let loose, had fun with it. So it was a long day, but you know, it was got photos to document it all. And it was pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, you dream, everyone dreams as a kid of hoisting that thing. It just attracts like, it just attracts a good time. Like if you're walking around with that, like it's so (laughs) it's a presence and like people are just drawn to it. So it was honestly unbelievable. It was so sick. So did you drink or eat anything outrageous out of it? I, I didn't eat anything that crazy, but just a lot of probably Bud Lights and we did a couple shots and stuff like that out of it. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I don't really know what a staple food of mine would be to eat out of it. So I didn't really, I didn't know what to do, but Isn't looking back boys? on it, if I ever, sorry, go ahead. If I get the chance to do it. If I get the chance to, I got to eat something out of it. Did the boy, any of the boys on the team eat stuff out of it? Like I always find that. Yeah. I, 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 a lot would you go of, cereal like, or something? I don't know. Ice cream. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's I pretty like gritty in there. Wings. It okay. Is, yeah. I, I love wings. So they yeah. put some like blue cheese or something in there and eat wings out of it. But a lot of the like French guys do like poutine. I saw, yeah. Um, saw some like maybe spaghetti or cereal, like you said, but yeah. it, I mean, that, that thing is seen a thing or two. So, I mean, it definitely needs to be cleansed. I think before I mean, I, actually I wouldn't even care. I'd eat out of it. No yeah. Right. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, who cares? Catch a little buzz yeah, off right. your first chicken wing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So listen, see, fast forward another year, Ross, you play a full season and you go on another heck of a run. I mean, you guys are the Kings of the Eastern conference. You still are until anybody takes that away from you. Um, but you end up losing, you know, a, gritty battle versus Colorado. Um, just talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, you've, you've experienced all the highs that the NHL can offer. And then the next season, you know, I can't imagine there's too many more lows than getting to the cup final and not getting the job done. I mean, you're right there. You can see it again. You can taste it. Um, you know, what was that like? I mean, did you, you know, what did the boys take away? Are you guys still hungry as ever to get back there? I mean, what, uh, what was the experience like losing a cup? Yeah, I think the one thing that I definitely noticed, which I thought was just unbelievable to see, was like you said, like we won those. Well, I, like the team won the two, I won the one, and like coming to camp that next year, like I remember just in the summer, I'm thinking, like talking with guys, and I'm thinking, like there's no way guys are going to show up like hungry, like to do it again. Like there's just no way. Like these guys are, you know, superstars. Like you know, you win two cups in a row. Like you got to think there's going to be a cup hangover, and like from day one of camp, like it was like full throttle like we're like we're a wagon again basically it's like we could do this again and like there was never a doubt in our mind that like we weren't gonna like make a run in the playoffs which i just thought was like unbelievable to see because you'd never it's hard to do like it's obviously it's crazy so um i think what set the tone really was that first the first series against toronto which was like just because once you make the playoffs anything could obviously happen and then going seven against them obviously they were a great team and the battle just to win it in game seven in Toronto um, or even like come down to, I think we were losing like three to two um, 
in game six with like eight minutes left and just to kind of battle back, tie that up, win an OT, and then go to there, win game seven. I think at that time we knew we were kind of going to go on a run. And um, I think it obviously helps when you have 88 in the pipes every night, just standing on his head. Like the guy is just unbelievable. He's a different, different animal. I think, you know, he, he turns it on to a different level in the playoffs. Um, but I mean, it was unfortunate. Colorado had a, had a really good team. And like you said, it, it was a tough battle. Um, you know, that Ranger series was, you know, tough on us. You know, you can't make excuses, but I think losing Braden Point obviously hurt us a little bit. And, you know, he's one of the leaders on our team and, you know, the engine of that, you know, Cooch line. So, you know, it hurt, but, you know, credit to them. They had a really good team and they definitely deserved to win. So, um, you know, I, I see the, the hunger in these guys again coming up short, obviously hurts and it stings, but, you know, we've, we've been off to a pretty good start here. So um excited just to keep building and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And you've been off to a pretty good start too. Three and three off the get-go. I was watching your game versus Senators. You had a little short side, almost sniped short side. Just missed and run yeah. one off the bar against Carolina. Scored in the shootout. So you've been playing well yourself, uh, Ross. So I've been enjoying watching. Um, listen, talk a little bit about playing in the NHL, you know, the lifestyle what is what are some of the rinks that you're like you go into the building you're like okay this is going to be this is going to be loud and this is going to be fun to play in i mean there's there a few rinks that come to mind um yeah i think um that's tough there's a bunch that i think are pretty sick i think the one that really stood out to me last year was i thought vegas was like unbelievable like i mean i thought it was pretty cool it was, you know going there like you're sitting at the tables like the day before having fun <laughs> and, then, and then you you go to the game and then like there's like they have like the dancers like on the glass and warm-ups and like you know it's they basically like put on a show for the game which i thought was and it was like really really loud which i thought was like sick and then um i i love playing chicago i think chicago is just a sick sick arena like so much history there and um i love that city too i think it's the way from the rink there's good restaurants there's stuff going on it's pretty cool um and then if i had to pick one more i would say I don't know. Maybe I'm biased, but playing in MSG, like, I don't know, growing up, I was always a Devils fan and, um, you know, wasn't always the biggest fan of the Rangers and I loved the rivalry and then playing there, you know, like especially like the first game this year, or even like in the playoffs last year was like unbelievable, like just goosebumps. Like I remember in the summer, like my dad and my brother and I went to a concert there. I think we saw the Eagles play and we were like on the floor and just looking up, we're like, wow, this is like crazy. Like, it, it, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't look as big as it is. And then like, once you're down there, like, you're like, holy crap, like this is huge. And just, you get chills, you know, during the anthem and, you know, that's just what fires you up. So I would say those are pretty, you know, pretty three pretty sick ranks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there can't be too many other than the Arizona State University Coyotes. There can't be too many uh, bad uh, burns to play in uh, around the league. I think I think that'd be pretty sick, you know. ASU get all the college girls the in there watching. That's right. Sick. I mean, there there definitely could be some some benefits in playing at the Arizona State because I'm I'm hearing too, you know, through the grapevine, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but there are some good looking females at Arizona State oh. University. So 
Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, maybe we'll have to check in with you once you play on the road in Arizona. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll check in and see yeah. if there was anything uh, anything going on worth uh, worth noting in the crowd. But uh, but listen, <laughs> you hear uh, you hear lots being outside the NHL about the board the boys putting money up on the board. I want to hear like, is there a story in your dressing room? Uh, any game, maybe kind of outside the playoffs, that um, that the boys put some money up on the board or an outrageous amount of money up on the board, and we're like. Okay, like let's rock and roll. And I'm assuming that if you win, then that bo- the board money goes to a night out for the boys. Um, so far in my career, I would say like I haven't had anything crazy like that. I, I think the only thing that I've really noticed is like you know when I play in the American League, like you know I put like a hundred bucks up, and then I think it was like my first game, my like after we won, like guys were putting up like. I want to say like five to like 10 grand. And I'm like, Holy, like I can't match that. Like I can't do that. Yeah. Like, so like, I mean, obviously there's like big name guys. Yeah, like Stan, you're that, making eight like, bananas, buddy. Like I can't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that was the only thing I really noticed so far in my career, anything like funny or like crazy where I was like shell shocked where I was like, uh, like I can't do that. But it's just, that was funny. Like coming from, you know, Syracuse, like barely like, you know, oh, I'll put 200 up tonight. Like I'm feeling crazy. And then you come here and guys are throwing up like thousands of bucks. I was like, Oh, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, this Ross, man, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you come on the daily mission podcast, chat about your time in the NHL. And, and hopefully we can do it again sometime down the road. Uh, everybody listening, make sure you go follow Ross Colton on Instagram. I'm not sure if he's on Twitter, but I know he's on the gram. So go make sure you give him a follow on the gram and, and listen, Ross, we'll, uh, we'll catch up down the road, man. Good luck with the best of your season. I'm excited to watch the, uh, the lightning go on a fourth run in a row. No, thanks so much for having me on. I, get, I definitely got to come back on again. That was fun. What a beauty. Can't thank Ross enough for coming to check in with the Alien Mission podcast. Hopefully we can catch up with him later down the road. But uh, yeah, he's a young, exciting player for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I I definitely think a pleasant surprise uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But let's get into quarter three. We got some MLB talk and some NFL talk. And the MLB, the World Series, has been won by the Houston Astros. They're second in the last six years. Obviously the first with an asterisk due to them banging on trash cans and stealing signs. But this one seems to be legit. Uh, pitcher Zach Wheeler during game six and they pulled him after six innings. Was it a questionable decision? This is what I think that sports analytics should be in question is these big moments. These moments in game seven, six of the NHL, you know, in the NBA as well, you know, do analytics, what comes over analytics or just, you know, feel for the game. Obviously the analytics said Zach Wheeler, take him out, but he was pitching well. I don't know if that decision is, is going to haunt Philly for a while, but I mean, there's got to be a part of you that's happy for the Houston Astros. Um, you know, Jeremy Pena, rookie, wins the World Series MVP. He hit 400 during the World Series, had 10 hits, led the series. Happy for Justin Verlander. He got his first win in the World Series. What a relief it was for that guy in Game 5 to win. Obviously, he gets to sleep on some of the biggest pillows in the league and Kate Upton. And, you know, he was he was very, you know, emotional during his during his um, press conference after the game. He was happy. He was, you know, he knew he had to suit up for the boys in Philly in a tough game five and get a win for them. Dusty Baker finally wins. I mean, this team is a dynasty. They have been an absolute wagon. And you have got to tip your cap to the Houston Astros, the 2022 World Series champions. I know it's going to upset a lot of people. I know a lot of people are still sour about the cheating scandal. But we think around sports, man, and 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 cheating is is just it's 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 a relevant topic, and and um, you know obviously there's an asterisk beside Barry Bonds and Lance Armstrong and maybe even Bill Belichick, and um, you know what happens, and uh, you got to move on, and, and you've got to you know 
do what they did and rebound and, and show that they didn't need to be a cheater, uh, cheating team. But you also have to feel for the Philadelphia Phillies, who, you know, the 86 team went on a nice run and and uh, just couldn't get it done. And, and Bryce Harper was certainly a star. I mean, they've had some emerging stars on that team. They're a team that's going to be very good next year. So the Houston Astros win the World Series. But we have to talk about Mattress Mac, of course, because this guy won $75 million on the Houston Astros. I mean, obviously a diehard Houston Astros fan. This guy owns a mattress store in Houston, Texas. And apparently, he just throws mammoth amounts of cash on the Houston Astros futures to win the World Series. And I don't know how many different books he goes to, but it seemed like a lot. It seemed like he had at the, at the Bellagio in Las Vegas at BetMGM, and it looked like Barstool Sports. I mean, it looked like he had sprinkled millions of dollars left, right, and center. But I think the the grand total, the gross amount that he won was $75 million. Record-setting sports win. Mattress Mac. The guy looks like he's like 85 years old. He was in a bit of a shouting match after game five or game four. It was unbelievable. But this guy, he is not afraid to throw around some cash, but I'm fairly certain that he hedges his bets. But anyway, Mattress Mac, $75 million. The Astros win the World Series. So the MLB, now will it will go and, and the spotlight will turn to the free agency and you know which teams will make splashes. Obviously, Aaron Judge, where's he going to go? Uh, but it was an exciting uh, MLB season. The Astros, the 2022 champions. Week nine in the NFL is not quite concluded. We still have the Monday nighter ahead, but Sunday was certainly a bit of a gong show. The Colts, you have to feel bad for the Colts. I mean, this is a team at the beginning of the season that I expected to be right in contention at the AFC in the AFC South. Matt Ryan hasn't looked good. They bring in Sam Ehlinger. He looks okay last week. He looked absolutely terrible in Foxborough. The, the Pats D sacked him nine times. The Patriots end up stomping them 26 to 3. I mean, Mac Jones didn't even have to play that well. He was 20 for 30, which is, you know, fairly efficient. But I mean, the Colts get absolutely dusted in New England 26 to 3. The Vikings stay hot. I thought Minnesota, I thought Washington was going to win this game. They beat the Commanders on the road 20 to 17. The Vikings, they stuck with it. I mean, it was 17 10, I think, in the fourth quarter. But the Vikings end up winning. Kirk. Cousins goes viral after the game. He's got like every single chain available to him on the plane ride home on his neck. He's dancing around shirtless. Kirk Cousins, what a character, but the Minnesota Vikings are seven and one and they're an absolute wagon. The Cincinnati Bengals absolutely dismantle the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield gets in late in the, in the second half puts on a bit of a show, but Joe Mixon stole the show five touchdowns. Joe Mixon. Do I have him in one of my fantasy fantasy leagues? Of course I do. What an absolute beast. Five touchdowns for Joe Mixon. Sets a franchise record. The Bengals dust the Carolina Panthers 42-21. to The biggest surprise of the week, the New York Jets ended up beating the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, this is back-to-back weeks. He's made some very bad decisions. The, the worst decision I saw was they were probably on the 15-yard line going into the Jets' end zone, and he rolls out right, and Dawson Knox is running like a seven-yard out. And there's a DB, you know, cutting off the route clearly. And Josh Josh Allen just puts it in his lap, just throws it right at him. It was the worst interception I've ever seen Josh Allen make and maybe a quarterback make this season. But some mistakes, Josh Allen threw two picks, two bad picks, and, and uh, the Jets end up beating the Bills. So the Bills obviously disappointed. They'll get things back on track. But this Jets team, I mean, Zach Wilson was serviceable. This D is young, and they, they grind. And, I mean, the Jets beat the Bills. Jaguars beat Las Vegas. 
27-20. They were down early. They stuck with it. Travis Etienne, two touchdowns. Travis Lo- Trevor Lawrence is, is making strides. I hear he's a very poor, polarizing character right now in sports. Just Josh, or sorry, this um, Trevor Lawrence character. A lot of people saying that he's bad. A lot of people saying that he's making strides. But they end up beating Las Vegas. And man, what a shit show it is for Las Vegas. This is we. T- I talked about it last episode, but this is a division that got so much hype in the AFC West. And there's only one team. I mean, there's. I mean, the Chiefs are the only good team. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if Josh McDaniel is going to hold his job or not. But that was a terrible showing by Derek Carr. Back-to-back weeks getting shut up by, by the Saints, who weren't a very strong team, and then getting beat by the Jaguars. I mean, oh, you'd have to feel bad for Raiders fans. Pressure, I'm thinking about you, man. Miami holds off Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. They win 35-32 to on the road. They absolutely fucked me because I had the Miami Dolphins on the spread at minus 4.5. So I lost that by a point and a half. Sorry, I... Apologize, folks. I'm going to have to throw on some glasses next week when I'm doing my best bets because it is getting a little obnoxious. I'm trying to give you guys best bets, and I'm just getting rinsed. I'm 1-2 in the last three weeks. I've got a 3-0 week coming next week, so stick with me. Uh, But Miami, Tua looked good. Tua, uh, this year when Tua starts a game and finishes the game, they're undefeated. I mean, he looks great. Uh, His weapons are, uh, you know, they have a ton of them. Jeff Wilson, who came from San Francisco, he's familiar with uh, Mike McDaniel's offense. He looked great. Um, and Justin Fields actually looked fantastic. He ran for the most yards a quarterback has ever run for in the NF- in the Super Bowl era with 178, I do believe. He threw for three touchdowns. This is the best game I've seen Justin Fields play. And I'm, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you have to be fairly happy with what you saw from Justin Fields. But they end up losing 35-32 to the Miami Dolphins. The Green Bay Packers. Are you fucking kidding me? I gotta stop swearing. But, I mean, what was going on there in Detroit? Detroit ends up beating them 15-9. to Oh my goodness, they look disorganized and Aaron Rodgers looks frustrated. But Aaron Rodgers threw some bad picks. Threw three picks. I mean, Robert Tanyan, the, the pick to Robert Tanyan was a bad ball. I mean, Aaron Rodgers does not look fantastic. And I mean, if you're a Green Bay fan, you have to be you have to be disgusted right now by the performance of the Green Bay Packers. So they lose on the road to division rivals. I shouldn't even say the division rivals. They've dominated Detroit. Detroit beats Green Bay for the first time in a long time, 15-9. I'm sure Lions fans were thrilled. The Chargers end up taking care of the Falcons 20-17 to in a wild one in Atlanta. The Seahawks are the real deal. I apologize, folks. I was on the Cardinals. I'm done with Kyler Murray. I'm done with the Cardinals. They're an absolute farce. They fuck me every time I try to bet on them. The Cardinals end up losing 31-21 at home versus the Seahawks. Geno Smith is that guy. The Seahawks team is a team that we've got to start taking more serious. Shout out to Jack Archer and the Chalkboard app who mentioned as soon as I put up my bets that he was on the Seattle Seahawks money line and I trust the Archer's intakes. So, um, yeah, the Seahawks, they're the real deal. They're a team that's uh, leading the NFC West, which is a surprise, but they are not uh, They are not losing games. And they're 6-3 and three and they look good. Tom Brady, vintage Tom Brady, ends up beating... The Rams, 44 seconds left, down by a touchdown. Or sorry, down by four points. Have to score a touchdown. And he goes down, no timeouts, 44 seconds. They get a favorable pass interference call to move him to the one. But he hit Scotty Miller like three times. He hit his tight end over the middle. It was a vintage Tom Brady drive to win 16-13 over the Los, Los Angeles Rams at home. So the Bucs finally get a win. They're back in first place in the NFC South. Kansas City Chiefs take care of the Titans on Sunday Night Football 20-17 in overtime. 
This Titans D is for real. Malik Willis didn't have to do too much. He threw like a 40-yard, 50-yard pass on his first pass of the game. He ended up throwing for like 150 yards or something ridiculous. I mean, he only threw the ball 16 times, but the Titans, man, they're a gritty team. But the KC, the Kansas City Chiefs ended up taking care of them on Sunday night, 20-17. to 17. So I was on, like I said, was on the Cardinals, was on the Dolphins. They ended up losing. I was on the Jets plus 10.5. They ended up winning outright. So I was one and two of my best bets. Uh, got rinsed. I mean, I, I don't know why I get so attracted to parlays and guaranteed parlays. And I had a seven-game parlay of the games that I thought were absolute locks this week, and Green Bay screwed it. I was six of seven. And that was a big pay. It was like 10 for like 150. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was an unbelievable week nine. I can't believe it's week nine. We're going into week 10 after this Monday night. we got Baltimore and the Saints. I expect Baltimore to win. Um, so for anybody looking to bet, and I expect Alvin Kamara to have a decent game. So I, I like Alvin Kamara to have a game, and I like the Ravens to, to win. I'm not sure what the spread is. I'll have to look into that. But that's a week nine recap for you. And just quickly, in quarter four, we'll talk a little bit about the NHL. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA, and we'll talk a briefing in the PGA Tour UFC world. So moving into quarter four, it's episode 18, season three of the Daily Intermission Podcast. What the fuck were the Boston Bruins doing this weekend? They decided to sign Mitchell Miller. So Mitchell Miller, for everyone unfamiliar with Mitchell Miller, he was a kid, a, a fourth round pick by the Arizona Coyotes. And when he was in middle school, early high school, he was bullying an African-American child in his school. Uh, this kid had some learning disabilities, was underdeveloped mentally, and made him lick a lollipop that he'd rubbed in a urinal. He would call him the N-word. He would call him racial slurs. I mean, just completely disgusting acts. So obviously, he was unable to play at North Dakota State, which he had signed for. He was dropped from the Arizona Coyotes organization. So the Bruins come out and decide to sign this guy on Friday. Out of nowhere. This guy has fallen off the map, which he should. He should be taking, you know, he should be go in, indulging in the processes to better himself as a human being, to showcase that he's doing things proactively to better himself as a human being, to change his character, which has been tarnished by being charged as a juvenile for absolutely, you know, horrifying acts and bullying to this and racism to this individual at a school. So 24 hours later, the Gary Batman comes out and says, what? Like, what? We didn't clear this. He's not allowed in the NHL. And then another 24 hours, the Bruins end up dropping him. But what were the Boston Bruins thinking about signing this Mitchell Miller kid? It was a disgusting, a horrible, unnecessary 48 hours for the organization. It put not only the players in that room who hold themselves to such high standard. I mean, Patrice Bergeron is such a class act. He was disgusted by the decision. Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, I mean, give your heads a shake. What a terrible decision. I'm a big Boston Bruins fan, but I was so disgusted by this decision. I'm happy they decided to waive him, but I mean, it's going to be a, I mean, people are going to remember this and, um, you know, it's, it's a, it was a terrible decision by the Boston Bruins. There's a couple of the suspensions to note in the NHL. Josh Anderson greased Alex Petrangelo from behind when the Montreal Canadiens were playing Vegas this week. It was a dirty hit. So he's going to get two games. And Matthew Kachuk stuck his stick through Jonathan Quick's face mask in the crease. Another greasy act. Pretty expected. It was expected by a guy like Matthew Kachuk to pull, up, pull off that type of greasy act. So those two guys are going to be missing the next two games. 
I thought I'd talk about the New Jersey Devils right now because they're an absolute wagon. Their advanced analytics are off the charts. Their expected goals per 60 minutes are close to four. Uh, Their expected goals against per 60 minutes are like around two. So they're the best in the league in those categories. I mean, they've been fantastic. They've made a lot of strides. They're playing much better hockey than they have in the past. And they've sit atop of the Metropolitan Division. And they keep on getting big tests when I think, okay, this is the game they're going to lose. They had a road game in Calgary. They ended up winning in overtime. They're playing very well. Eight and three. Seattle Kraken, another team I thought I would mention. They're, they're off to a 7-4-2 and two start, and their advanced analytics are very good. And I look at the expected goals per 60, expected goals against per 60, and they've got a positive one. So they've been a fantastic team. Seattle making some strides in their second year in the NHL. The Ottawa Senators have dropped five straight, but they are for sale, which is a good sign, I think, for Senators fans. Obviously, they're looking to move their rink downtown. There's some big players in the in the um, in the bidding process, and that will start to heat up. Uh, Bruce Garriock, a, a very close insider with the Senators, uh, he he assumes that uh, U.S. Thanksgiving will be the date when the Senators' bidding process will start to heat up. So the Senators are for sale, but they need a win very badly because they've dropped five in a row. They're without Artem Zub, which which hurts. They're without Josh Norris, their second line center, which hurts. Um, but hopefully the Sens can get it back on track. And the Leafs, the Leafs have proved me wrong once again, and they've got things back on track. They beat the Bruins, which I knew. I hit the uh, the Toronto money line as soon as the Bruins signed Mitchell Miller. That's the type of narrative I like for in sports. That is such a bad omen. Like what? Anyway, I'm I can't stress enough how disgusted I was with the Boston Bruins signing of Mitchell Miller, but. As soon as I heard that they did on Friday, I hit the munch- I hit Toronto on Saturday night. I knew they were going to win that game. And they ended up being Carolina the next day on a tough back-to-back. They flew into Carolina less than 24 hours and beat both Boston and Carolina. So the Leafs, two massive wins. That's big for their confidence. That's going to quiet the media down. So happy for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I guess. Moving into the NBA, Luka, eight straight games. This guy, he can't be slowed down. 30 points in eight straight games to start a season. I think this is the year that Luke is going to win the MVP, and I know it's so early. We're only eight, nine games into the NBA season, but, I mean, how can you not think that this guy's not going to win an MVP in throughout his career? I mean, he's just such an unbelievable talent for the Dallas Mavericks, and he's looked incredible. So eight straight games. I, I'm not sure which record. I think he's going in on Wilt Chamberlain's record. I'm not sure what Wilt's is. I'll have to look into that. But there are some records uh, on this hot start from Luka, so, I mean, shout-out to Luka. But a lot of the, the NBA attention this week was surrounding Kyrie Irving, as it typically is. So the timeline of Kyrie Irving, if you don't watch my TikToks, in 2016, obviously wins a championship. 2017, things start to kind of fall out in Cleveland. He requests a trade. He goes to Boston. Boston is two years. We're okay. Starts to come out and say he's going on an all-plant diet. Uh, he kind of is starts to be vocal about some conspiracy theories, one being the world is flat, um, something about JFK's death. And then in 2018, decides to, after his two seasons in Boston, or in 2019, I apologize, he signs in Brooklyn, which things start to get really weird. He's unvaccinated, which isn't really that big of a deal in my opinion. I mean, obviously it was a personal decision not to get vaccinated, but I don't think he should be you know, held accountable for that, for being an awful decision. I mean, it's his own body and I can you know, feel for that. I can understand why he didn't want to do that. Um, but he ended up missing a ton of games. He, there was there was times when he requested trade out of Brooklyn. Um, but then this week when he tweeted a promotional tweet around a Amazon Prime documentary that had some anti-Semitism themes and propaganda in it. I mean, obviously the Jewish community was very upset. The entire NBA community, the entire community in general online was very upset with Kyrie Irving. And it didn't seem like he was very... 
acknowledged to the fact that he hurt a lot of people by promoting or tweeting about this film. Honestly, deep down, I don't think Kyrie Irving's an individual that means... He's a very unique individual, and I think that... He doesn't mean wrong or or he didn't mean to be hurtful by this. He just, I don't think he understands the magnitude or understands the totality, the holistic view of the decisions that he's making uh, before he does them. So Kyrie Irving uh, has been suspended five games indefinitely without pay. And there's a checklist of things that the Brooklyn Nets have provided that he has to do to get back in the mix. So, I mean, we'll continue to monitor the Kyrie Irving situation, but it's certainly a messy one in Brooklyn. Golden State's off to a very slow start. Obviously, the Golden State and the Lakers. The Lakers, to be expected, because I mean they're just a shit show. But the Golden State Warriors, they're two and seven. Um, I mean, what a we are three and six. But regardless, they're under five hundred. They look disorganized. I expect them to get back on track. I'm on them this tonight uh, to win. Um, but uh, it is worth noting that they're off to a three and six start, and um, you know things. I, Kyle, Steph Curry's very frustrated right now. Clay Thompson just missed a buzzer beater um, over the weekend, but Utah remains winning. I, I like. I just. I'm just so astonished. But they're eight and three. Management's going to trade some players, and I think the Lakers should look into trading with um, Utah. I mean, you could bring in some wily veterans like Mike Connolly and Laurie Markkinen, um, but. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, another guy who's been playing very well for for Utah. Um, but uh, I think that they're going to have to move some of these guys out if they want to be as bad. As, I mean, if if this team goes on to win and, and they don't get a draft pick, I mean, I think they're they're the whole ideology of trading. Uh, you know, everyone over the list last Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert and um, Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich. If we, if you know that whole. You know, process of trading all of those guys and tanking for a good pick. If that's you know not the scenario, you're going to have to trade some of these guys. The Milwaukee Bucks undefeated. They're nine and zero. They remain to be one of the top teams in the NBA. They look fantastic. Um, Giannis going to be in the MVP chatter. I mean, he's an absolute monster. So the the Milwaukee Bucks sit atop the Eastern Conference at nine and zero, an absolute wagon. Another storyline that made headlines this week, Joshua Primo, a youngster, a rookie for the San Antonio Spurs. Well, he was alleged, he allegedly whipped his dick out in front of the team psychologist nine different occasions. Just whipped his horn out, you know, like it was nothing. Anyway, that's a developing situation. I'm not going to comment too much on it, but uh, it's worth noting Joshua Primo is is going to be in some criminal um, court hearings about him whipping his dick out in front of a team psychologist, which... Yes, Deshaun, and yes, Joshua, you cannot do that in a professional setting. You can't do that anywhere. It's got to be consensual, and it's got to be, you know, typically before a sexual act. So you can't be whipping your horn out. Just quickly in the PGA Tour, Russell Henley won this week in Mexico at the Worldwide Technology Championship. Happy for Russell Henley. He sniffs around leaderboards here and there. He's a good, very good player. And we got UFC this weekend. we got Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. we got... Um, not Charles Oliver, uh, Israel Adesanya taking on uh, Pereira. It's going to be a great fight. Two belts on the line. So the UFC is going to be big. I'm going to have on Sam Elvey to break those down. But ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your weeks. As always, I really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys enjoyed Ross Colton. Make sure you give this thing a five star. Make sure you're sharing it with friends. Make sure you're in the chalkboard app. Make sure you're on all the socials. And we'll be back on Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, have yourselves a fantastic week. I'm out.